You're listening to the Real Estate Runway Podcast, powered by Quattro Capital, where we are all about alternative business and investment strategies to help you amplify life and maximize wealth. Here's your host, the recovering engineer turned multifamily investor, Chad Sutton. All right, Real Estate Runway family, today I've got a special guest on the call here. We're going to talk to Bridger Pennington, the owner and one of the partners at Fund Launch. This is a group that it's a group we joined recently. Folks, it's incredible. If you have ever wanted to see a group of high performance individuals who comes together on the concept of running funds, but from foreign exchange, real estate, private equity, venture capital, you got people from all over the financial and investment sector. Talk about a powerful room. So Bridger was kind enough to come gracious with his presence. We're going to talk a little bit about his background. Listen in. He actually speaks Mandarin. You're going to get to hear some of that in a minute too. So before we get into the episode, if you get any value out of the show, please like us, subscribe, leave us five-star reviews, all that stuff. It's the only way to pay it forward and get some more people just like you. So pay it forward, folks. Do it. If you want to be on the podcast, hit us at thequattroway.com slash podcast to apply. Love to have you on. All right. And if you want to follow us on social media, we got plenty of that going on. Team Quattro Capital, one word, no special characters, or just visit us at thequattroway.com. And we are on TikTok now at Real Estate Runway Podcast for your swiping pleasure, whatever it is you do on TikTok. I think I'm too old for that. But if you're into TikTok, it's there. Check it out. And folks, we are always happy to work with you. Quattro Capital powers this show, and we are an alternative investment firm focusing on multifamily real estate, have been for a long time now. Visit us at thequattroway.com slash invest, and we're happy to have a conversation of how we can help you reach your goals. And now onto your scheduled production. All right, all right, all right. Real Estate Runway family, this is your captain speaking. We are taking off on another episode of Real Estate Runway podcast today. Bridger's laughing because I just told him about our cheesy new line and not to laugh at it. So tell me in the comments what you think about that. We are Real Estate Runway after all. Here we are. So Bridger Pennington, welcome to the show, friend. I appreciate you coming on. How's life today? Oh, I'm doing good. Captain Chad, dude, good to be with you on here. <laughs> it's going to be a fun call today. I'm excited to be on. That's good, man. Bridger, you really need no introduction, brother. You're everywhere. If anyone just Googles this guy, you're going to see him all over the place. Lots of value-add content out there. Tell us about yourself. What what in the world made you into the man you are today? I know you've got a beautiful family and you've had an interesting journey in life, but you know, pre-fund launch, what was your life experience? What made you want to get into this world? Just give me some of that nuggets and we'll go from there. Yeah, I'll give you just boilerplate and then we can dive in more. But for you that don't know who I am, I run a company called Fund Launch. We've helped now, we have 60,000 people around the world that are in our groups, communities that we help them launch funds. We help people launch private equity, hedge funds, venture capital, real estate funds, debt funds across the board. I think we have a 12 student funds over $100 million now, which is freaking bonkers, which is so cool. And Chad's been to a few of our events that we've, we throw and some of our stuff, which is awesome. And then I also run a hedge fund right now. So I run a cryptocurrency hedge fund. We raised 10 million our initial launch and we're still growing that. And then I've ran two prior funds that were debt funds. So we did, we issued loans, debt. And then my dad's in this space. My brother's an investment funds attorney. We got this cool kind of family and we bring in all these resources to help just more regular people like me. And, and I'll just call myself regular. You're probably way smarter than me, Chad, but people like me that are idiots and dumb and didn't go to Harvard and didn't go to some Ivy League school, but we can break into this space of funds and build and grow and create huge funds around the world, which is cool. So. That's the boilerplate on me. And th that's the, guys, he's modest here. So let's try to pull it out of him a little bit. This group used to be called Investment Fund Secrets because I think before you guys really got out there, there was nobody out there teaching and making available to those who want to learn it, those who want to better themselves. What is a fund? Why does it matter? How do we run a fund? 
Why is it more efficient? So it used to be the secrets of, like you said, those who went to Harvard, those who work on Wall Street, those who spent 20 years in a family office or an institution before getting to make any sort of decisions. Walk me through that. Take me from where you're, you had this, you figured out your father was doing this. And for some reason you decide I'm going to go do this. And oh, by the way, I'm going to yeah. build this amazing room, this amazing community that you guys attract some of the best and brightest in the country, if not the world into this and get them excited about it. So let's walk that journey for a minute and we'll get into some techno stuff. Yeah. So I, I grew up in, I'm from Utah of all places, Salt Lake City, Utah. I grew up in a pretty normal household. I was, my dad was an entrepreneur. I went on a two-year church mission to Taiwan. I spoke Mandarin Chinese. So I came home from that and I was about, I think I was 21 years old, very ambitious. I wanted to go take over the world. I wanted to make tons of money. So I was like, hey, people that start businesses make a lot of money. So I started businesses. I started six businesses my first two years of college. I started a Chinese tutoring business, which, you know, because I spoke Mandarin Chinese, we, my Mandarin Chinese, I did Chinese tutoring. I wholesale two houses. We had an online marketing company. I tried all these different businesses. And finally, my dad grabs me and he's like, Bridger, you're kind of like a chicken with your head cut off. I want you to go meet with one of my business partners. This guy can really help you out. So I said, okay, I'll go meet with whoever. I'm just this young hustling entrepreneur kind of kid. And so I go up and I meet with this guy's house and he lives in this beautiful home, huge mansion. He's got the pool in the backyard, cars, basketball court in the basement, just phenomenal. Long story short, this guy starts to tell me about what he does. And he says, I run investment funds and this world of private equity or hedge funds. And he says, I, we started a real estate fund and he goes, right now we manage just over $8 billion, which is massive. To put that into perspective, Cardone Capital, Grant Cardone, which a lot of people follow, Cardone Capital is about $4 billion. So at the time they were double Cardone Capital. And now today, those same funds, and my dad since retired and things, but they are now over $40 billion. So 10 times bigger than Cardone Capital, which is just crazy, right? And so... I learned this from this guy. I was like, holy crap, like, I want to learn from you. Can you be my mentor? Can you coach me through this? And he said, Bridger, go talk to your dad. Your dad knows way more about this than I do. I said, no, my dad's kind of broke. And by the way, my dad drove a car with a dent in the door. We lived in a kind of a small house, like it, not, nothing very impressive. And he says, Bridger, go talk to your dad. And I said, no, dude, my dad's broke. I want to learn from you. And he, said, <laughs> he goes, Bridger, me and your dad make about the same amount of money. And my chin dropped to the floor. I was like, huh? come again? What's going on? He goes, yeah, me and your dad are pretty much equal business partners. And I, I left the dude's house. I ran straight to my dad's house and I was like, dad, what the heck? What's going on? Like, why haven't I been able to order a freaking soda at Chipotle for the past 10 years? Cause it's too expensive. And yet you're managing billions of dollars in these funds. And long story short, my dad starts to teach me about funds. Every Sunday night, I'd drive to his house and we'd sit on the whiteboard and he'd teach me about how funds are structured, SEC compliance, how to raise money, all this stuff that goes around funds and how to build them, structure them, and launch them. And like anything in life, I learned about funds and I started to recognize funds in the real world. And so at the time, I was in school working a job and an internship at the same time. And at that, I believe it was the internship I was at, that job there was an opportunity that I figured out where we could do loans inside of this company. Some of the clients needed financing for the product. And I thought, huh, I wonder if we built a fund that did loans, essentially a debt fund that could do this. And so we talked to the owners of the business. They loved the idea. And we were like, hey, let's launch a fund. So I started to put together the little basics of this fund. I'm 22 years old at the time. I then 
I got really excited. I talked to my dad. He helped me structure it and put it together. I read through all these documents and legal stuff is a big deal. Finally got the fund ready to launch. So so excited. We got things ready to go. I then hit this wall. I'm like, crap. How am I going to raise money? Who's going to believe in me? I'm, I haven't graduated college. I'm a broke college kid. I don't have any experience. I have no track record. Who would invest in me? And then I thought, oh, this is easy. My dad, right? Ta-da! Like I, thankfully, I've got a dad who apparently runs a billion, multi-billion dollar fund. He doesn't spend any of his money on Lamborghinis or cars or jets. He just saves all of it, apparently. He's got, probably got tons of money that he could invest with me. And so I went and pitched my dad for money. <laughs> to save you a long story, my dad said no, said I needed to go learn this on my own and said that I needed to, that your first investor is your hardest investor to find. And that if he invested in my fund, it would be a crutch that I would never be able to recover from, which is pretty interesting. So he kicked me on my way and said, you got to go figure this out on your own. And so I went out, I hit the streets. I talked to everybody I knew. I raised a whopping $49,500 from, I think, seven invest, six or seven investors, we, which is teeny, by the way. If you know anything about funds, that is like the smallest fund to ever launch. We launched this small little fund, but it was enough to get started. So we started this little teeny group. We started doing loans and the loans actually did really well. We got a 64% return on our first fund to our first group of investors, which was phenomenal. We then dovetailed that into our second fund, bigger strategy, kind of restructured things. We raised and deployed millions of dollars on that fund. I ran that fund for about three and a half years. So this is in college from ages essentially 23 to 26. I ran this fund. We then had a competitor come and buy us out. So I actually purchased and I exited the entire fund. We can talk about that later if you want. But I sold the fund, which was really cool. I had an exit. And during this time period, a lot of people started to ask me, how are you rate? Like, how are you doing a fund? Bridger, you're in college. Like, why, how are you doing this? This is what people do in their 50s or 60s. And how did your dad do this? And my brother, by the way, is an investment funds attorney. And people started to ask us. And so we decided, hey, like, why don't we start making content online to educate people about this space? Because I tried to Google it and search it and no one was talking about funds. There was nowhere you could go find any of this. And so we said, hey, let's start making content. So we started to pull together videos and teams and stuff. We made courses and online stuff. And now that's grown into today. We have, we just threw a 2000 person event in Miami. We had Ed Milet and Jim Rogers fly out. Next year, we're doing a 3000 person event in, in Orlando. We just announced the location. We have now 60,000 students around the world that have joined our courses, which is just insane. So we've done that. And then during that period, after I sold my fund, I waited about a year and then launched a hedge fund actually in the cryptocurrency space. I have a couple of partners that are amazing at crypto. And we raised just about $10 million in our initial launch, which was awesome. And then we're still raising right now and it's been phenomenal. And now we're, I'm a, we have consult, a partner consultancy on eight different funds right now as well, which is pretty cool. So anyways, I'll stop there, but it's been an amazing journey. And we are on this mission to help more people understand this game. There's, this has been locked up in Wall Street or Ivy League towers for years and decades the wealthiest people on earth ran funds and they knew how funds work and this whole secret group did this. And only now the last couple of years, regular people are learning this game and utilizing such an amazing business model for incredible stuff. We have people in our group, sorry for me to go on, but people in our group that are doing incredible things. We have a dentist in our group that's gone out and bought, I think like 15 dental practices and rolls them up together. We have people that go buy restaurants and group all these restaurants together. We have people that go do land development. They go buy big, apartment complexes. They go flip skyscrapers. We have people that go out. We have a guy in our group that has the largest hydrogen facility in the United States. They take cow manure 
and they turn it into hydrogen, <laughs> which is pretty crazy. We have people that flip, they buy scripts on Hollywood from broke writers and flip them and sell them to Netflix and HBO. We have every fund under the sun in our group and community. These people are killing it to, be, to just say it straight up. It's unreal what people are doing and what this has grown into and it's continuing to grow into. Don't ever apologize for going on because if I get something that gets you on a roll, I'm happy as a host. That was fantastic. And folks, plug for later. This is the reason that I brought Bridger on the show. This room, being in the right rooms is everything. And if you can find a place where you can go and not only, yeah, we have, if you're in real estate, there's real estate groups, multifamily groups, retail groups, like you can get, you can go to a niche group. But if you can find a group that's coming together over a common goal of the fund model, but you're getting perspectives of people in foreign exchange, real estate, cryptocurrency, all the things that Bridger just mentioned, holy smokes, what type of economic understanding do you think you can garner from that room? Okay, so I'm going to come back to something, though. You said, I'm a world traveler as well, Bridger. I've been all over the world. You mentioned that you studied abroad for a time and you learned Mandarin. What I think actually realizing how small this world really is brings to people is a unique understanding of people and how we're very much the same around the world. Two questions for you that I want to hear, and I'll bet you no one's ever asked you this. First thing, you speak Mandarin. I want to hear you say something and tell me what your favorite phrase is, because I just want to hear the language and what, like, what is your favorite phrase in Mandarin? <laughs> okay. But then also, so I'll give you a minute to think about that while I ask the next question. While you were over there, what did you learn about the people, you know, that you were able to bring back and maybe affected your life? Yeah. You want me to just go Mandarin for a second here? Let's do it. I don't know what I'll say. I'll just talk about my day. So. 今天晚上我上去来，我去的地方剪我头发，然后之后我上班来到这边跟你讲一下，好不好？Was that okay? It, it sounds like you know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just kind of said I woke up, I got a haircut today, I came over, I'm working now, and I'm talking to you on this podcast. So, yeah, fun. Pretty good. It's fun. It's fun. You still have it. There are, Chinese is really cool. There's all these incredible, so characters are built. It's like, there's no alphabet in Mandarin Chinese or in, in just any Chinese. There's no alphabet. It's almost like hieroglyphics. You learn a picture that represents a phrase. And a lot of these pictures have sub items and sub pictures within them and or sub characters within. So they, a character can mean 10, has 10 different meanings built into one word. It's a really cool structure of a language and it's very ancient feeling, which is pretty cool. So. I, I was thinking through a couple of them. Once I was religious, I was a religious missionary there. So one of the words is hui gai. That means to repent. And some, a lot of people have different meanings of repentance. And I love this, the, at least in Chinese, the way the character is built for hui gai. So it's two characters, hui and gai. One of the characters inside, it's the, there's three characters put together. It's uh, one of the characters is heart. The other one is change. And the other one's every day. And repentance, and according to that character, means if your heart changes every single day, you're repenting, which is, I think, phenomenal way to describe repentance is you turn your heart back to God every, and just, you do it every single day. And I thought it was just very insightful. So there's a lot of cool things like that in Mandarin. One of them, anyways, there's a lot of different, they're called Changyus that they have these four letter phrases, but I'll stop there. But it's a pretty phenomenal and really cool language. Yeah, I love that. And that's super interesting to me and probably to everyone else who just heard that. But it's when, you, when we say some words in English and sometimes they come from Latin words or other derivations of the mm -hmm. word, and it may or may not really like the word itself may not transpose a meaning to you. But what you just said, that when you said the three images that came to mind and I was like, wow, that's that really is what repentance means. So it's 
Super interesting. I appreciate that. Yeah. And last question before we get back into the meat of it, you spent a lot of time over there. What did that culture teach you? Whether it was, was there something that came back with you that affected your life or how you are as a person today? Like, I, I love knowing what cultures do to people when they go over there. Yeah. So I lived there for two years. And by the way, I was like fully immersed. It wasn't like in a resort or like in a compound. I was like every day on the streets, speaking Chinese, Mandarin, meeting with people in their homes. It was just me and one other companion. Half the time that companion was from Taiwan, actually, or from China. And the other time it was from American or American companion. But I was like, we were in, we were living with the people in the city, which is really cool. Something, there's a ton of things I've taken from Chinese culture. First thing, I love Chinese culture. I'll just say that. I love the people. I love the Chinese culture. I think it's phenomenal. I love how ancient things are. And there's a bunch of things. I'll just talk about a few things. Health. I think health is the number one thing I took back with me, though. Chinese people have a very deep sense of their personal health. One of my favorite things to do when I, we were just there in Taiwan a few weeks ago is wake up early in the morning and go out to any park, any elementary school. There will be dozens, if not hundreds of people, young and old, all working out like in a park. And they don't work out though in the in American or Western sense. They are doing Tai Chi. They are like channeling energy. They are, a lot of them slap like their wrists and arms and slap their face. I think to just spur on energy and get blood flow and stuff. But so we, I would go do it with people. It was so fun. We'd go and you slap your neck and all these, and a lot of times old people that are like, they do the strangest workouts you've ever seen. It's actually hilarious. But at the same time you do it with them and you're like, this, this is cool. Like we're doing some weird squat and then we're slapping the top of our head as we come up and then we're doing a squat and then slapping our head at the top and it's okay, let's do it. But the, I, the Chinese people, they have healthy bodies. They have healthy skin. They live longer. It's just, it's really, that's something I really took with me back home is how I, use my body and wake up and energize it and make sure I'm healthy and eating the right food. And they were very, very conscious of what they ate. And if, if I was myself or my companion was fat or whatever, they'd just tell you straight up, Hey, you're fat. You're not looking good. You have pimples. What are you eating wrong? What are you eating water? They're very straightforward in that. Cause if your body's not in shape or whatever, they are going to let you know that it's not in shape. And anyways, I could go on and on about Chinese culture. I'll just share that one thing though. I think a conscious effort to be healthy, I think is massive. I love that. The Chinese people are amazing. I think my biggest takeaway being over there was the amount of hospitality that is in that culture, like how much they love each other and want to make mm -hmm. sure that you being there, we're taken care of. And you think about, do we do that over here? Not quite. So anyway, yeah. back to what we're here to talk about. Thanks for sharing your, yeah. your heart there and your knowledge, man. This episode is brought to you by Agora's Investment Management Solution. Are you a GP or syndicator still using spreadsheets or an outdated investment management platform? Advance to Agora, the next step in investment management evolution. Agora's customers raise capital 40% faster and reduce operational expenses by 25%. With Agora, you can collect commitments faster, raise more capital by creating beautifully designed data rooms, public brochures, and automated subscription flows. Manage all your investor relationships efficiently with the most advanced investor CRM on the market. Delight your investors with a beautifully designed investor portal which is fully customized to fit your brand and integrate seamlessly into your website. Distribute payments in a click directly from the platform and automatically generate and send all the reports and statements your investors need. Agora is suited for all types and all sizes of GPs or syndicators, starting with an affordable $5.99 a month subscription plan. Click the link in the description to book a live demo and learn what Agora can do for your business. Agora, better investment management. So let's bring it back into the world of funds. I've got two avatars listening to this show. And folks, if you're a passive investor looking for places to put money and de-risk your investments and learn, this question is for you, but it's also for those who are structuring investments. So why would I, as an investor or as an operator, 
look to the fund model rather than the typical deal by deal model. A lot of us out there, we have done syndications, which by definition, yeah, they're like mini funds. They're single asset, short-term funds. It's all the same stuff, but what's the benefit of something that's not tied to one project at a time for both the investor and the operator? It's funny enough, I was at lunch talking to somebody about the same thing. For me, at least I was talking about as an investor. So I personally am invested in a number of different funds. I like investing in funds. And actually last night, I actually turned down it was an individual syndication from this group. And I was thinking through like, why did I turn this down? I actually want to do it. I know the guys, I thought it was really cool. And what's interesting with this, now syndications, you're typically investing into directly into a deal. There's going to be someone that helps run that deal. And then you're hopefully to get a return off that one single asset. And it's funny, there's pros and cons of both. But with a fund, you can go buy a plethora of assets. We have a guy in our group that was flipping houses, about four houses a year. But he would flip them one at a time and syndicate the capital per house. We then helped him launch a fund. He went and raised $5 million, flipped 72 houses in the next year. So what it gave him, it gave him economies of scale. So he could, he could hire crews full-time. So he had a tile crew and a landscaping crew that worked for him full-time that went from property to property. So his average cost per house went down. It actually saved his, him and his investors a lot of money. Additionally, he could work with banks and get better financing from banks because banks like to work with repeat and larger clients and they'll give you better terms. Because of that, he could outbid his competition. So if he was bidding versus a syndicator, he's got lower cost of debt and he's got a lower cost of average renovations done in the house. So he can actually bid higher and outbid and win more deals. And so there's a lot of pros that come into fun. And additionally, as an investor, I'm not investing in one deal. I'm investing into 72 different deals. And yeah, three or four of them might crash and burn. Three or four of them might be amazing. But we're going to have an average blended return across all 72 deals of whatever it is, 15% or whatever the average deal was. So for those reasons, I like it. Now, the other thing, particularly, this is actually one of the reasons I turned down this investment. With a syndicator, it's fine. I'm not, I'm not crapping on syndicators, but they typically don't have enough money to go hire a full like time CFO and hire a third-party administration team. Oh, and do third-party auditors. And a lot of times, syndicators don't file their Form D or things with the SEC. And they set things up in a quasi way to just go get a deal done. In a fund, you have to be very structured. And I, as an investor, I love that structure. I want to know. I actually want you to file with the SEC. I want you to deem what kind of exemptions you're going to use. I want you to have a third-party auditor. I want a third-party admin. Because that gives me confidence that you're not going to commit fraud. It's really hard to underwrite fraud. I just this last week, there I have a number of friends there. CoffeeZillow just put out a video, $500 million Ponzi scheme. I personally know probably 15 million, actually more than that, $20 million of that. I have friends that put money into that Ponzi scheme and they're all crushed or devastated or whatever. And I've been telling them for two years, I had two guys call me up. He's like, Bridger, I should have listened to you. I said, well, it's obvious. They don't do audits. They don't like third-party administrators. They're just slushing money together. I know your money tripled overnight or whatever. But guess what? It actually didn't because it was all a lie. And so I have a hard time personally investing into syndications as an investor because there's just not as much structure. Now, again, there's a thousand ways to build syndications, though. Some syndications have great structure, some don't. So I'm just putting that out there. Funds, some funds have great structure and some funds don't have structure. So regardless if it's a fund or syndication, I'll tell everyone on this call, make sure if you're investing with somebody, make sure they do third-party audits and they have a different accounting firm that does their third-party books 
and they file Crucial. reports separately. There's good controls in the company. Anyways, I make sure that happens. And so there's actually a lot of pros to moving in a fund and a syndication. Yeah, I love that. Sorry, and you had that, a second part of that question, but I've forgotten it already. I don't know. <laughs> you kind of blended them together. So I think it was great. It was like, okay, hey, as an investor, you get a little more security. It's hard to underwrite fraud, but it's more likely that there's more structure there and you're diversifying your risk. You're getting in this house example, 72 instead of one, two or three. And look, inevitably folks, no matter how good the investment group is you're with, they're going to get some wrong or they're going to have some extenuating circumstances on in the market or something that makes not everything go great. So you might as well play the law of averages and get a gradual good return than one or two that do great and one or two that do poorly. So that's a great point. And I think you also mentioned from an operator perspective, gosh, economies of scale is a real thing. You guys have heard us talk about single family versus multifamily or any sort of scale there. When you can go beat your competition on costs and probably make more money by bidding higher, that's an edge. And the other thing I think that people gloss over, and honestly, the reason we started moving this direction in the past was Look, the syndication world, it's a sprint. And so as an operator and as an investor, there is a sprint from deal is set up to get money raised to close. And that sprint starts over every single time. And you could have a situation where deals don't close because money isn't raised in time, where you can get ahead of that mm -hmm. with a fund. So yeah. to me, that's a big benefit there as well. I'll say one bit. more thing on the manager side. Can I add one more? Just on the manager side, a fund allows you a lot more protection across the board. In a syndication, sometimes your partners on a syndication and or investors, whatever you deem them as, if they, let's say one of them forgot to pay taxes two years ago and they come to you and say, hey, Chad, this has been great, but I need to pull my money out right now or sell the property because I got to pay taxes. The IRS is breathing down my throat. And in a syndication, you might be inclined to help that. You're like, man, I got to help this guy out. He's going to, and then he's like, hey, if you don't do it, I'm going to sue you guys or whatever. He can really sh rattle the boat if they want to in a syndication. In a fund, it's almost impossible to do that. You, they become a limited partner in your fund. If There's a great scene from The Big Short. You've seen that movie. Michael Burry is there. One of his investors walks in and starts yelling at him. Michael Burry, sell your position. That like you're, Give me back my money. And Michael just says, sorry, the market's going to crash and we just got to wait a little bit longer. And Mike, he just says, he's like, screw you. See you later. And so... The fact that the reason Michael Burry can do that is because he runs a fund. You do in a fund, you don't serve individual investors. You don't do what's best for individual investors. You do what's best for the fund as a whole. That's your fiduciary responsibility. And what this allows actually from an investor standpoint too, investors are protected from other investors from suing. Now, you still can open up a lawsuit, but there's no legs for it. And if someone wants to pull out money you say, great, in our bylaws, it just there's a 50% penalty if you pull out your money. So you can, yeah, you can pull out your money, but it's a 50% penalty. So up to you what you want to do because the properties aren't ready to sell yet. We're seasoning them a little bit longer. They're going to, we can't force fire sell them right now just because you forgot to pay your taxes two years ago. I'm sorry. And so it actually allows a lot of protections. And this is the reason why most successful people in the game of finance in this game end up running a fund. There's a reason why almost everybody ends up at a fund is because of all these protections, the pros eventually outweigh the cons. And so, yes, the cons are it's more money, it's more, there's more compliance, there's more whatever, but the pros of scale and protection vastly outweigh the cons. And this is why actually the SEC has set this up and allowed this to happen. 
and has these structures is for this exact reason to solve these problems. Yeah, all great points, Bridger. And I think where I'd like to go next with it is let's talk about fund launch specifically. So we, we've talked about some fun topics here, talked about why funds in general. And you know, the reason I brought you on here is, is you have done something no one else has. You've created something that doesn't exist in A, education and B, camaraderie for people across all industries who are putting these funds together. And oh, by the way, not everyone has to come from Wall Street or that that world that you you used to think is unattainable. Tell me a little bit about who Fund Launch is for, what it's all about. Tell me about these events you guys are doing. And the whole goal is to help people learn that this is possible. So let me turn that back yeah. over to you there. I talked a little bit at the beginning, but the goal of Fund Launch is to empower people like me and you to launch and scale funds that move humanity forward. It's actually our mission, sta mission statement, and we live by that. We're designed to help people understand and learn this game and whatever facet it is. So we actually will help people wherever they're at. I now have a team of about 50 people in our company that we work with clients every single day to help them, whether it's building their pitch deck or finding capital or just learning about the space. Our goal is to just, we wanna spread this message all over the world. And really it comes from a place of, I feel very lucky that I had a dad who learned this game and then taught it to me as his son. And my dad, by the way, barely graduated high school, went to Dixie State University, then Utah University of Utah, graduated with C's, C's and B's. Wasn't that smart of a person, was just an entrepreneur, started a bunch of businesses up and down, figured out what a fund was, scaled it, and now is there today. I think he's now retired, but they're a top five real estate fund in the world. He's one of the co-founders, which is crazy that someone could do that and that I'm that guy's son and that he decided to teach me about this game and how it works and it's actually worked for me as well. And so I feel, man, I feel very lucky that I had a dad and family like this. And so I want other people to have the same opportunity that I had, which is I had a great brother, a great dad, a great, and then I, we brought in now dozens of people from around the world, people that are really good at private equity, really good at capital raising to come teach and coach and mentor. And so we, now we throw live events. We have a free course. So people are listening. We have a total free course on funds, 100% free. It's 15 videos just on funds all the way up to like we do events. We do all, we help you launch your fund completely. So we have the whole gambit of stuff to just help people get in this game and get started. I love it, folks. And Bridger, where can we find that information? Like just uh, people are probably hooked here. Scroll down to the show notes where this is going to be for your clicking pleasure. But how do we find it? Yeah, two spots. If you want to get that free course, fundlaunch.com. So like we, we help people launch funds. So fundlaunch.com or look me up, Bridger Pennington, and send me a direct message on Instagram or whatever to say, hey, I, was, I want to get your free course and we'll just send it right over to you. If you type it or go on YouTube, you can start watching videos too, it's under Bridger Pennington. Or if you just type in how to start an investment fund, we're like the top five videos on all the feeds on YouTube because no one teaches this. Like no one does this. So we dominate on YouTube and everywhere because we're like the only ones that teach this game and teach how it's done, which is pretty cool in this space. So those are a few spots you can find us. And folks, I'm about to blow up Bridger's social media here. So there is a video on there of him literally jumping over a Lamborghini. If you can go find that video, it's going to probably going to, it's going to give you all sorts of hits because people will be sitting on your social media looking for this thing. That is the coolest thing. It's either a great video edit or he's got some mad ups. You guys can choose. All right. <laughs> it is a great video edit is what it is. That's from, I think it's two or three years ago we did that. So you have to scroll for a while, but. It was pretty fun. That was during the Olympics. We did. We actually spoofed the Kobe Bryant video. Kobe Bryant jumps in Aston Martin back in 2005 or something. So we like copied the same video and we did it, but it actually looks pretty good. 
Funny enough, actually, we showed that video. If people follow online marketing, we're, me and Mason, my business partner, we're speaking at Funnel Hacking Live in front of 7,000 people in about two months. And uh, they want us to show all of these fun marketing. We've jumped over cars. We did like another promo that was like, we copied ESPN and Nike commercials and we like remade them. And we just, we have a lot of fun with our marketing. And so we're doing, this is actually a marketing conference and we're actually going on stage and presenting all of the kind of unique marketing things that we've done over the last three years. And we have 30 minutes to go on stage and just, we're going to share all those. We're going to share that video, a bunch of other videos of all these fun things we've done. So kudos to my business partner, Mason Brains, who's a marketing genius. So if you, nothing else, if you're a marketer on here, want to learn marketing, just if you opt into our funnels, if you put in an email, you'll get our marketing. You'll start seeing our ads and stuff. And it's at least just worth, I think you can just see what we're doing and it's worked pretty well. We spend about, I don't know, we spend a lot of money on ads and content and stuff. And so you can see what we're doing, what works. And we study a lot on the marketing side, at least my business partner does. So fun to learn. Folks, don't gloss over that. If uh, you can have the best product in the world, but if people don't know you, they ain't going to find you. So that's a pretty good one. Yeah, Bridger, 100%. two questions I'm going to ask you and we're going to let you get out of here back to your busy life of running Fun Launch and that empire. So first one, what's your superpower in this life, business or pleasure? And uh, how does it help you? I'll share the first one that came to mind and maybe one other, but, and it's hard to say this is my superpower because a lot of us don't know, but I'll just share what other people have told me at least. Two things, one's very kind of public and one's personal. The public one is I'm very execution oriented. Anybody in my company, any of my partners, if we have an idea, I hate sitting on it. I hate waiting. I tried starting six businesses in college and I had partners and people that would hop on a Zoom call and listen and wait, okay, let's meet back next week and let's talk next month. And what happens is nothing happens. That's what happens is nothing <laughs> For six, three months, then six months, then nine months, you dabble and die. I'm very execute. And it made me so frustrated. I couldn't even sleep at night. I got, I don't know about you guys that are entrepreneurs in this call, but I call it the noise in your head. You ever laid up in bed at night and you just have ideas spinning in your brain and you're just like, there's, and you're like, hey, we gotta get, we just gotta move. The only thing that got that noise out of my head, like down to paper, pen and paper was like execution oriented. We are just gonna do stuff. And maybe we're gonna run a little, little bit wrong direction, but I'd rather run than just stay still. And so we start, I'm all about launching, let's just go. If you have an idea for even marketing, we just, we use a shotgun approach on marketing. I, we post 60 to 80 pieces of content a week, whether it's ads or social media, and we just see what works. Five of the 80 will work, the other 75 won't work, and we'll just keep working with what works. So I'm very execution oriented. That's public facing. On the private side, this is the first thing that came to mind for me was I'm a, at least I try to be very prayerful about business. I'm a God-fearing God person and I am very prayerful about actually every business decision, everything I do in my life. And I, I actually think God, religion, family, everything is one, one big thing. I don't segment those things in my brain at all. I think God and, is involved in everything we do every day. And so I'm very prayerful. And I've had multiple experiences in my life where God has directly told me to move, like fun launch, for example. I keep a on my phone, whenever I pray, I keep, I open up notes and I try to listen as much as I'm talking during prayer. So if I talk for three minutes, I listen for three minutes and I take down notes of feelings and impressions I get. And I looked back and I had probably six, six times I'd written down, like I need to launch fun launch. And at the time, investment fund secrets, it, I feel like God pushed us into this business. Like you need to do this. There's people out there that need you. And it really gave me a lot of stuff. Last year, I just made a video about this. I had two individuals last year that wanted to partner with me on funds. These people were very successful, multi-deca million dollar people. They all drive Ferraris and Lamborghinis and crazy cars and they're very successful. They're twice my age. 
you would be an idiot not to partner with. And there was two separate examples, both of these individuals. And both of them gave me an offer to come build their empire and give me a huge equity stake in this whole thing. And I prayed about each one individually. And both I felt very strongly to say no to. And it was not, I actually wanted to say yes. I want to do these deals. And I was like, man, I just feel so bad. about. It. So I said, I'm going to follow. And I said no to both of them. And I told, I called them up. I just said, I don't know why. I just don't feel good about it. I'm so sorry. Let's stay friends. And maybe a year or two from now, we'll reconnect. Come to find out about 18 months later, after those, both those two individually have come out to be kind of fraudsters and scammers. And they've had Ponzi schemes blowing up and multiple of their funds are like investors are threatening them and crazy stuff. And I was like, wow, what a bullet I dodged. If I would have partnered with one of those dudes, I would right now be probably in talks with the SEC, the FTC. I might be going to jail right now just because of guilty by association. And I think God cares about the details of our lives. He cares about every little piece of our lives. And he's very involved. He's all knowing being. And anyways, I'm very prayerful and I'm getting trying to, I'm not, and you asked like a superpower. I don't know. I'm getting, trying to get better at it. I'm terrible. I'm back and forth. I have to repent all the time and change and become a better person. And, but I, I really try to tap into that side of things. And so far God has been helped me in a number of situations, especially in business that have avoided huge things. And it's been massive. I love that you just shared your heart there, man. And I, I couldn't agree more. It takes true spiritual strength to have the courage to ask for wisdom and the direction you should go. And look, folks, God doesn't punish you. He tests you. He builds you for the next thing, you know? And so whatever it is, it could be hard times, could be good times, but it's all got a reason. Ask to understand. Ask for the wisdom to, to understand and then apply. Last question, Bridger. I know we're over time here. What is your biggest failure, life or business? And what'd you learn from it? Um, it's a good question. It's funny enough, I was thinking about, I've had this question before and thankfully so far in my career, I really haven't had a lot of people talk about this, oh man, and I blew up and I went bankrupt and I fired everybody. They have these big stories of where their life just blew up and imploded. And I just, I haven't had that happen in my life yet. And at least I've had trials. I have, I've had a brother that committed suicide. I've had parent, family things, but nothing that was like, I feel like I failed at or something that like whatever, but I'll share, I'll just share one story. My first fund, so very first kind of syndication fund, I set it up. We raised that $49,000 and six months in, I go and I'm doing loans and I look at the bank accounts and I'm like, huh, it feels like there should be more money in here. And I was like, huh, this is interesting. And I start looking through and I'm like, did these kids, and we're, by the way, we're doing a lot of loans. So there's 3,000 to $8,000 loans. We're doing like a ton of them. Like every month we're just turning and burning loans, like a lot of them, because they're short-term loans. So there's a lot of transactions. So I'm looking through all the transactions, like this doesn't seem right. And there's one transaction that didn't match up with my record. And it was to like a Chase bank. And I was like, there's no, I don't, I, why, like, why? It was like, I can't remember, it was like $7,500. $7, so this is small amounts, but it was big to me at the time. There was another transfer for about $7,500. So it was a total of about $15,000. And I was like, oh my gosh, my heart sank. I was like, where did I miss send a wire? Did we get hacked? Did we, is there, what's going on? And so I start looking around, I'm looking through my records. Maybe I miscalculated something. What's going on? Finally, I call. So I'm the main person running this thing, but I had two other partners, I guess, very passive partners that kind of helped. They were the founders of the other company that were the original company I was working at. These guys are a lot older than me, my senior. They are already founders of this big company. And I, I call them up, hey, I'm, this is awkward, but do you guys know why there's transactions out of the bank account? And they were also owners on the bank account. And they said, let me get back to you. And then anyways, two days later, the guy calls me the CEO of the company. Oh yeah, I had to pull, I just, I pulled my money out because I had to make payroll 
in my other company. And I was like, what are you talking about? But yeah, I just thought I'd pull out my share. Again, this is a syndication. That's why I don't like love syndications. I'm gonna just, I was just going to pull out my share because I got a big payroll over here. And I go, that's, first off, that's not okay. That would be a decision for all of us. You, there's bylaws that say you can't pull your money out. He goes, Bridger, we're partners. Like, we're here. This is the company, whatever. And I go, I'm sorry. Like, this is not how it works. And he tries to strong arm me. This guy is twice my age. He's, Bridger, it's not that big of a deal. And I go, no, it is a big deal. They've got a word for it. It's called fraud. And you need to put that money back right now because our other investors in the group, that hurts their investment. And they were all, by the way, it was all close friends. We all knew each other. I know those guys. They're all fine with it. I'm like, okay. So anyways, long story short, we, he, we ended up talking, all the partners had a big meeting on this, again, syndication. And we talked through a plan and thankfully we had existing loans out. And so over the next two months, the money came back and we made a return that we then calculated and all the, it actually worked out just perfectly where his money got taken out with a kind of a penalty on it. And then our, the other investors were all giving back their money appropriately. So it ended up working out, but it taught me a very valuable lesson. And so it was close. It was close to being a failure on my first little syndication. And uh, I was like, huh, we need to restructure things in a better proper way. That's why we actually, we changed it to a full out fund. We actually launched it as a fund for those protections. That's why I'm very adamant about, I like funds a lot better. We made controls and I made sure, and all the stuff I've done since, we have very proper controls. Even if right now, if you kidnapped me and put a gun to my head, I couldn't wire money or transfer anything out of our accounts. We need two or even three or sometimes even four people to approve any transfer. And it's got to be done with documentation, all this kind of stuff. We just have all these barriers. And so it taught me a valuable lesson. I don't know if that's, it wasn't a big failure, but it could have been a big failure. And that was a big lesson learned. You've dodged some bullets and learned some lessons, man. Thank you for that wisdom. I appreciate that. Bridger, thank you for coming on the show, man. Spitting some value here. Folks, check him out. Instagram, just Google the guy. He's everywhere. Check out his marketing. Check out Fun Launch. We're members of it. It's a vetted group. We've been there. It's great. Thanks for coming on, man. Hope to see you soon. Thank you, Chad. Folks, that was an incredible episode with Bridger. Thanks for coming on, dude. It was fantastic. Learned a lot of good stuff about why we want to care about investment funds, why you should consider investing in the fund model. And if you're running investments and syndications, why you can actually add more value to your investors by working out of the fund model. So check out fundlaunch.com. That's F-U-N-D-L-A-U-N-C-H.com. Spelling on the air is dangerous. Thank you for bearing through that with me. And folks, if you get any value out of this show, Please like, subscribe, leave comments, five-star review, all that good stuff wherever you're listening to this. That's the only way to pay it forward and get to more people just like you. Come be on the show. Join me, thequattroway.com slash podcast. I'd love to see you on. Until next time, this has been another episode of the Real Estate Runway Podcast, over and out. We hope this episode was insightful and brought value to your day. If so, please be awesome and leave us a five-star review. Find out how Team Quattro can help you at thequattroway.com. Until next time, this is the Real Estate Runway Podcast.